The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Champions League and more. Liverpool playing away at the Wonder again. Icardi playing away from the Wonder again. How many shots for Sheriff at San Siro? Bayern blowing away the Bundesliga. Too many bird bums and not enough coulées for Barca. Plus, a massive weekend coming up all across the continent. We've got all of that and more on this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Tuesday, the 19th of October, listener. Well done for making this choice of podcast. It's going to be a good one. We've got the Euro crew here for you. That's James Horncastle, Alvaro Romeo, Julian Laurence and Raphael Honigstein. Hello, everyone. Hi, James. Hello. Yep, good. Jules, you've got to go somewhere, haven't you? You were <laughs> delayed by Thomas Tuchel. I was because I was, I was doing an N'Golo Kante interview for Chelsea oh. TV and that started later because the training session was just... Um, yes, 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 yes. ...postponed a little bit. So, All right yeah. then. What did N'Golo say to you? It's um, like a little piece coming up soon because he's been five years at the club now. So we sort of right. celebrated five very successful years. They have been successful, haven't they? You had a chat with Karim Benzema I saw the other day. We can maybe hear a little bit about that later on. Kareem the Dream. Yeah. Everybody have a good weekend, did they? Alvaro, I, I see Saturday was a high-scoring one in La Liga. How many goals was it? Was it one? <laughs> <laughs> and true games. I mean, Premier League had seven or eight games, and the, there were many goals in the Premier League. Right. Very few goals in La Liga. That didn't look good, James, I'm telling you. Because I think that uh, sometimes uh, we forget that La Liga or the Premier League or Serie A or whichever, they are products as well, not single games. And it's mm. not good when you display a Saturday like this. Right. It's like having one of your vital components only for, say, a quarter of the time <laughs> permissible. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, uh, Alvaro, despite that, you did have some games on the Sunday and one or two more goals. Can you muster for us a moment of the weekend with Paddy Power? The moment of the weekend for me is really Real Sociedad topping the table. I mean, uh, it's not even hard to say because there is so much admirable about, about them. They managed to win this weekend. It's true that they have a game in hand over Real Madrid, but they are topping the table with so many players injured. And still, they've got a distinct style, a charismatic manager, and a, a few players that make the difference day in, day out. Congratulations to them, or as mm. we say in Basque, Sorionak. Very nice. Very nice. And you've also got Osasuna not far behind. Yeah, and they beat Villarreal. And Osasuna is one of the most improved teams in 2021. Uh, I think that um, despite having Gerard Moreno, Villarreal uh, looked uh, sometimes a little bit flat. And they shot on their foot again, uh, as they did against Atletico de Madrid in the last minutes of the game. Mm. Uh, a bad pass of Mandi to Rulli, which happened again against Atletico like a month ago, uh, made Villarreal lose some key points in the last minutes of the game. And the scorer of, of Osasuna, the guy who scored the second goal, is Chimi Avila. He had been over a year not scoring a goal because he suffered two very bad knee injuries so a good time wow. for or a good day for Chimi Avila as well okay we'll hear much more about La Liga that Moreno volley though woof all right Jules what about your moment of the weekend I pick uh, Lucas Paqueta no look pass against um, against Monaco for Lyon because it was an, an incredible piece of skill to start with but also the fact that two days before he was playing with Brazil it was one of those South American internationals who came back really late because of the way Camebol had the, the fixtures and Lyon debated for a long time to put him in the squad or not, to play him or not. In the end, he played for 20 minutes and changed the game and, and Lyon beat Monaco 2-0. Mm, indeed they did. Rafa? I think it's Robert Lewandowski's goal, James. A lovely back heel to open the scoring, open the floodgates against uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Four games. A back heel as exquisite Four. as? Uh, a back heel as, ex well, as exquisite as anything you'd find in a Christian Louboutin store. That's pretty exquisite. Nice. <laughs> it's very exquisite. Mm. Well, yeah, Bayern absolutely dumped all over Bayer Leverkusen, who went into that match level with them on points at the top of the Bundesliga. Crikey, much more to come on that. But James Horncastle. Well, where to start? The Kardashians? <laughs> uh, the Akadis? I mean, what's going on there? I mean, we'll, we'll probably get to that. Um, but, you know, Torino... They left Naples, you know, after losing a game. But they were the real winners, James, because mm. they, uh, at the, the bottom of their bus, what did they have? They had a, a load of mozzarella that they just bought 
to take back home with them, which, you know, I hope they ate it fresh because it's there to, if it's really good, it should be consumed within 24 hours. So that's a lot of uh, kilos those Torino players will be putting on this morning, I imagine. Nice. You know, the friends, the friends are shocked because for the first time ever, more mozzarella has been sold in France than Camembert this year. That is sad. Wow. That's the content you're here for. That's the content you're here for. That is... Right. Actually, I'm here for the Icardi story, <laughs> but we'll come to that a little bit later on. Good. All right. Let's get cracking with some Champions League. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4-plus fold acca lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1-5 to five per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Champions League so far should should rebrand it the Schadenfreude League. We've had some big and tasty shocks. Sheriff beating Real Madrid. Bruges holding that PSG lot. Young boys doing Man United. Two rounds in, it all means we've got some big teams already in trouble. Milan, Barcelona, Leipzig all bottom of their groups. Man City only third in their group, heading currently for Europa League football. Uh, what are you guys looking out for this week? Should we start with Tuesday? Some of the fixtures that you'll be... Probably excited by Atletico Madrid against Liverpool, Ajax against Dortmund, the Halle Holland clash, PSG Leipzig, Inter Sheriff. Or oh, how about Bruges Man City? Is this where it's all going to come to an end for the Belgians, do you think? Or are they going to do it to City like they did it to PSG? I think it'd be very interesting to see what Bruges can do. And uh, we saw them very good against PSG. We saw them even before in the past in previous Champions League being quite good away from home. This is City, so it's very different. And, and maybe the intensity that City put in the game would be too much for them who already play with a lot of intensity of their own. But I think it's one of the, the games that if you're not a fan of either team, you watch because it would be very entertaining. So I think, I think Bruges can cause problems to, to City. And obviously the other way is, is, too, is right as well because I think City could benefit from the way Bruges are playing. But it'd be a quite fascinating encounter. That's a very quick stat. Bruges has never been a scoreless this season. So this is kind of dangerous for Manchester City because they are def- the best defense in Europe. Uh, when it comes to domestic football, they have considered only three goals, like Sevilla, like Chelsea, I believe, like Napoli. But then in the Champions League, Manchester City has considered many so far, uh, three of them against Leipzig alone. So, you know, I think that there will be goals in this game. So be careful. I don't think that Bruce has, you know, the means to beat Manchester City, but uh, I, they are obviously a tough opponent. If only there was a show where you could see all these goals in sort of rapid <laughs> succession. Rafa, nice work. 7.30, I think we're on a little bit earlier this week. Is that right, 7.30? That's yep. Yeah, because we're doing the Europa League games as well. All your yep. favourites. Okay. So that's 7.30 on Tuesday on BT Sport 1, where you'll also be able to see, once it gets started at 8 o'clock, the Paris Saint-Germain uh, Leipzig goals, assuming there are any. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are currently tied with Bruges atop of that group. This is the fourth meeting with RB Leipzig in the last 14 months. Uh, Leipzig did have a win last season, but they they come into this clash in in not very good form, Rafa. No, another poor result for them, 1-1 at Freiburg. It was Freiburg's first game in their new ground, so maybe a difficult place to go to. You don't want to play Freiburg anyway on any pitch. They're, They're always quite awkward. Um, Leipzig played quite well, but in the second half, Freiburg probably did enough to to win. In the end, there was a draw, and a result that doesn't really do much for Jesse Marsh because they're still in in mid table, they're still losing ground in the top four places, and there's still a sense that him and the team are not quite on the same wavelength as far as the the football is concerned. And of course, PSG, the uh, Christopher and Kuku derby, is going to be. Probably not the kind of place where you want to, you know, resurrect your your season. Um, you m- it might well be buried there. I mean, I don't think it's going to be as bad, but I don't see much hope for them in this particular game. I must say. Jaws, mm. how PSG looking? Not good on Friday. They were very, very fortunate. They were in the way they beat Angers. They should. They got a penalty in the end. That was never. That was never won and, and they should not have won that game. They probably should have lost it. So they're not playing well. Neymar is out. Uh, he's got a groin injury. Uh, at least Messi will be back after not playing at the weekend because, again, uh, the, the coming ball fixtures. Di Maria as well. So they've got a few of the big boys back. Uh, and maybe it's not a bad thing that Neymar is not involved because he was terrible before the international break. And even if he played well with 
with Brazil against Uruguay a few days ago. I, I still don't think he's at his best, so maybe he's better for the balance of the team, for what Pochettino is trying to do, and we're still not sure what he's trying to do. But maybe he's better than Neymar, he's not there, I don't know. But it's, it's a big game for Pochettino because wow. it's very underwhelming so far. Wow, better that Neymar's not there. Worrying words there from, from Jules ahead of a, a big week, not only uh, the clash with uh, Leipzig, but also Le Classique at, at the weekend. And all of this while the, the shadow of the Icardi scandal rumbles on around the, the, the club. Let's just take this back a little bit on the timeline. So Mario Icardi joins Italian side Sampdoria, where he's taken under the wing. James, you pick up the story. Take him under the wing of a, of, a, of a veteran player and welcomed into his family with devastating consequences. <laughs> James, you should do the Netflix uh, voiceover of this I'm series. I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> Actually goes back even deeper than this, James, oh, because okay. uh, Icardi was uh, at Barcelona as a kid uh, when... Maxi Lopez was there and he had a photo taken with uh, with Maxi who was in the in the first team and of course when he was uh, signed by Sampdoria reconnected with Maxi uh, went on holiday with them uh, introduced to uh, Maxi's uh, well the, the the mother of his his children uh, Wanda and uh, well uh, Maro and Wanda took a, a, a liking to each other um, and uh, well, she broke up with Maxi and 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 and, and Mara and Wanda have been together ever since. I, even to the point where you had those the times when he was at Inter and uh, he would post photos of him driving into training, making the uh, cornuto, the cuckold sign, directed at Maxi Lopez. Um, did not go down uh, too well. There was all the the, the Wanda derby when uh, when Inter played Sampdoria, and uh, we were waiting for like. Uh, What's going to happen here? Is Icardi going to shake hands with Maxi or not? No, they didn't. And then what did Icardi do? Scored um, and kind of went up to the fans and had put his hands up to his ears to, to, to listen to what they were saying. But uh, it looks like it looks like this this relationship is is is, is maybe maybe coming to a close. Jules, what's the latest? So because the latest he moved to is... Paris. This is this is what happens. Well. You know, I'm not sure because apparently he cheated with a with an Argentine actress. So, so nothing to do with so, Parisian girls or anything like this. Right. So Wanda, this it breaks the story herself on what her Instagram feed with yeah, with, story. with a message you've ruined another family, which I find pretty interesting because it's not like she was kind of a bystander the first time around. Yeah, true. But anyway, so he's now what what's what's happened? It's all over. So then, so that's on Saturday night. Uh, right. She deletes all the photos of them together on her Instagram. A lot. Uh, account and there was a lot she unfollows him on Instagram as well which is big uh, then on Sunday he misses training he's allowed to not go to training by PhD to go to Milan to try to rekindle rekindle is that Rec- what you say? reconcile yeah, yeah reconcile. Or reconcile rekindle the, you know, the love you know yeah so then he posts a photo late of him and her with some hearts and cuddling and that kind of stuff. What do you think? So you think, okay, you know, he's done the job. He went back, right. he apologized, blah, blah, blah. And then today on Monday, she posts a photo of, of her bare hand saying this is better without a ring. But on the photo of the night before, she had a ring. And the night before, it was the left hand. This one is the right hand. So I think everybody's a bit lost. Uh, PSG said he would be in the squad against Leipzig. So we we'll see if he is. All right, we'll be bringing you updates throughout the Gold Show on Tuesday uh, on the situation there with the Icardi Wandanara situation. That's all we've got time for today's uh, Totally Football <laughs> Thank show, you. though. So, uh, ha, just kidding around. A- anyway, well, that, that's fascinating. But, I mean, apart from, you know, the jokes, far from an ideal uh, build-up for Icardi ahead of the game with RB Leipzig and, of course, Marseille at the weekend. Anyway... Group B, meanwhile, on Tuesday, Atletico Madrid taking on Liverpool. Liverpool actually lost uh, 1-0 on their last two visits to Atletico, 10 years apart, and have crashed out of the European competitions on both occasions as a result. Do you see something similar happening this time, Alvaro? Not at all. I mean, the last time we spoke about this game, do you remember? Uh, 2020, before the lockdown and all that, uh, I say that Atletico should be incinerated by Liverpool. And I repeat that again. But they, but they, they were super were lucky. They? Yeah. yeah, well, Liverpool, Liverpool lost. And uh, they lost both games uh, in mm. 2020. So, you know, they won La Liga last season because La Liga at the minute is a different competition. It's lower than it used to be. And I think Atletico is well equipped for that. 
when I watch Liverpool and I watch Atletico de Madrid, I watch uh, two teams that um, have different gears and Atletico is much slower and uh, they're probably the most menacing player they've got up front is Luis Suarez and I was commentating on the games of Brazil during the, the Conmebol qualifiers and Brazil played against Uruguay and Luis Suarez did pretty much nothing. Every time he got, he got the ball and he could run towards the goal of uh, Ederson, he, he just refrained from doing it because he doesn't have the stamina, he doesn't have the pace, uh, he doesn't have the gas and uh, all the goals he has scored in the South American qualifiers are four penalties and one free kick. So, you mm. know, from open playing, he's not doing great this season. But Atletico has, generally speaking, some problems. They are not defending that well, Savic is out. And I believe that the key for Atletico de Madrid is that all the quick players that they have managed to, you know, negotiate the pressure themselves, like Thomas Partey did at the time uh, when they played at Anfield, like the likes of Joao Felix or Yannick winning the duels, and after that, you know, there will be some unbalance, and maybe Atletico can get something out of it. But when I watch Liverpool, it's a much better team, and Mohamed Salah at the minute is unplayable. So I don't trust Atletico to win this game again. I mean, but, you know, surprises can happen, and two years ago I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. Simeone's side come into this well rested after Real and Atletico had their fixtures postponed by La Liga because players were arriving back uh, late from international duty. Mind you, uh, Liverpool didn't have a match this weekend either. Uh, Watford fans might might suggest they did look in devastating form there at uh, Vicarage Road. The other game in this group sees a Porto who Liverpool absolutely spanked five one last time, taking on pointless Milan. Milan James who are beginning to look slightly desperate there at the bottom of this this group. And their, their first time back in the Champions League for, what was it, seven years could come could come to a very sudden stop. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a difficult group. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, are they a pointless team? Yes, on paper, but not in terms of the performances that they've put in so far. They deserve more uh, than they've got, particularly against Atletico. Atleti, very lucky, not only to... Um, <laughs> Not only to win, but maybe even to get a point out of that game because for the first half an hour, Milan played really well. Kessie gets sent off, silly. Second, I say silly, not on Kessie's part because of the referee, and uh, and then the penalty at the end, which isn't a penalty. Yeah, fair and square. Never a pen. Um, never a pen. Um, but this Milan side does have great spirit about it. Um, yeah, I was speaking to people at the club today, and they were saying that a year, eighteen months ago. Uh, they wouldn't expect them to have come back from 2-0 down, which they did at, uh, against Verona at the weekend, um, without their goalkeeper, Mike Manian, um, without Teo Hernandez, um, Jules' favourite player, um, you know, without uh, Zlatan, who did come on at the end, but he won't be able to start. He's not fit enough to start. Yeah, this this is a group of players which has really matured, um, you know, and as we saw as we saw at Anfield, you know, they, they, they went 1-0 down, they should have been 2-0 down, 3-0 down, uh, and they came back and they were 2 and up at half-time. So they've got some real pluck, this Milan team. Speaking of Jules's favourite players, and also speaking of matured, how about Livia Giroud, who played a, a decisive part in that comeback at the weekend? And he will be available from the start in, in Portugal. Yeah, Giroud, who um, yeah, he loves playing at San Siro, clearly. Um, I think he was gutted not to be there for, for the Nations League. Um, but yeah, I mean, he scored a brace on his debut there with Cagliari, scored... Uh, uh, to get them back into the game against Verona. But, yeah, I think the player to, to, to look out for at Milan at the moment is Leao. Leao has been outstanding, came off the bench against Verona at the weekend and, you know, was was key to turning the game, as was Castillejo, who's, you know, effectively like loose change that you find down the back of the, the sofa and you're like, ah, OK, five pounds, brilliant. I can go and get myself a chocolate bar, brilliant. Um, and, um, and, yeah, so... Yeah, I would look out for Leao um, at this the weekend. Liverpool make a lot of teams that are actually good look really bad. Mm. I think Porto are better than than that that scoreline suggests. It's just that every time Liverpool play Porto, they seem to put five goals past them. I think it's right. It's I mean, when you look at Porto's position. record at home, that that's the only one of their last nine home matches that they've actually been defeated in, and they they've won the other eight. So it's not an easy game this for Milan. And for all that they've merited more from their first two games, if they don't get a win here. Things could get very difficult indeed. They haven't lost a, a league game for 36 games now. Wow, that's yeah. impressive, huh? Mm. Currently sitting second in Liga Nosh behind Benfica. We'll talk more about it very shortly because they've got a big game coming up against Bayern. But, James, yesterday while we were speeding through central London on our way to another hot Golazzo live date, 
you were talking about how much you're looking forward to seeing Ajax Dortmund. Tell us why. Oh, I mean, I think these are the two preeminent teams in Europe which develop exciting talent. And that's why it's, you go, you watch this game to see what the future is going to look like. And I think um, that's one of the reasons why I'm gutted not to be covering this on the goal show. I imagine Rafi's got it. Rafi, have you got Ajax Dortmund? I have got Ajax Dortmund and I'm really looking forward to it. Really <laughs> Don't rub it One in. of the most fun games <laughs> of this week. Right. These two teams currently tied on six points with Besiktas and Sporting Lisbon. The other two teams in the group uh, are none whatsoever. I mentioned the Harlan Haller uh, angle to it, which is incredibly superficial, and yet that's what I'm going with. Sebastian Haller has scored five goals in two games. He opened up the scoring in Ajax's win at the weekend over here and then, and Haaland is back as well, scoring a brace in Dortmund's 3-1 win over Mainz uh, this weekend, and looking good, Rafa. Actually, James, I'm not oh. sure he did look that good in this game. No? Um, he had been out for a couple of weeks and he looked a little bit rusty. Didn't do all that much. Scored with a penalty and then scored a last-minute goal um, thanks to some really good work from Jude Bellingham, who was probably Dortmund's best player once again in this particular game. Yeah, so not quite maybe at his best after this uh, injury that he um, managed to overcome thanks to a trip to Marbella and some warm weather training etc but yeah it should be it should be exciting because both of these teams not known for their defensive solidity and going forward they're of course a true delight so yeah should be really mm. good he did look good in training did you see that clip where he gets three footballs right and he puts one on top of another right? yeah and then he gets a and third one and puts that on top of that one so now he's got three balls on top of and then he kicks the first ball and hits this little target in the top corner and then he kicks the second ball and hits the same target, knocks a bit of it off, and kicks the third ball, hits the target again. Are you going to tell me this was CGI or something? <laughs> uh, there is a strong suggestion that it's not quite what it looks like, unfortunately, oh. James. All right. Beware, beware videos on the internet, you know. Wow. Well, <laughs> so very true. The other group in action on Tuesday are Group D, where Inter are going to become the latest team to try and stop the Sheriffs. Sheriff, who are on six points out of Transnistria, of course. Then you've got Real Madrid on three in the group, and then you've got Inter and Shakhtar have only got one point apiece. Inter Sheriff, crikey. I mean, the Sheriff have been the story of the competition so far, no? And the performance of the competition, surely. That win at Real Madrid with Sebastian yeah. Till in the 89th minute. Incredible goal, yeah. The goal of the tournament so far, fantastic. I don't think, I think Inter are warned now and I, I can't see Sheriff doing it again, but certainly I those can. first two games, they were very good. <laughs> I can. James, you know what Inter are like in Europe? Surely not. <laughs> you were a league finalist two years ago. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, no, uh, Champions League is something else. Um, I mean, we were making this point, I think, on, on Sunday Night Scalazzo that, you know, one of the easiest ways that Simone Inzaghi could improve into or, or show progress with respect to his predecessor Antonio Conte is to get them out of the group stages of the Champions League it shouldn't be that difficult particularly for a club that has you know I mean we've spoken about their, their problems financially part of the reason their problem they have financial problems is because their wage bill was just so bloody high for the last couple of years they should do it they should do a lot better um, they've got enough talent to get through this group you know, Shakhtar and Sheriff. I mean, if you'd said that, you'd have thought, what, are uh, Inter in the Europa League again? No, this is Champions League. You know, they should it be might contesting soon be, top though. spot. <laughs> they should be contesting for top spot with, with Real Madrid. And yet, as was the case last year, um, they they didn't win both games against Shakhtar. They drew uh, last time out again with them. And so they need to take six points from this doubleheader with Sheriff. Otherwise, um, you know, it's, it, uh, again, uh, it feels like the last few weeks for Inzaghi have been, yeah, it's, we're beginning to see some problems, some difficulties really, because they started so well. Everyone thought, ah, Inter in meltdown, you know, without Conte, without Lukaku, Hakimi, yeah, without Ericsson, they're going to really struggle. And then they blew Genoa away in their first game. They, uh, they, they kept winning and now they keep going behind at half time. Yeah, they've, they lost to Lazio at the weekend, which was their first defeat in the, in the league. And uh, people are beginning to, to question them, uh, particularly with mm. the Debit Italia coming up after, after this against uh, resurgent Juventus. 
Well, indeed. Sheriff, by contrast, have won five games in a row in all competitions. Real Madrid, the only <laughs> team... Oh, Real Madrid, the I only mean, team... Yeah, to... it is a stat. Yeah. Real Madrid, the only team to <laughs> score against them in that time. Right. If you were looking to predict yet another upset this week, you might look at Shakhtar Real Madrid. Isn't that right, Alvaro? Yes, because last season Shakhtar beat Real Madrid twice in the Champions League group stage, as far as I can remember. The thing is that this is a totally different Real Madrid. I think that Shakhtar could have a chance, and they would have a bigger chance if their striker Traore wasn't out, because he's going to be out for the remainder of the season, as far as I know. And uh, the good thing for Real Madrid is that they get back Ferland Mendy, and I think that this is no just an insignificant thing because that player is going to put some other players in their position and Real Madrid is going to improve defensively a lot. I'm not too sure if uh, having rested this weekend is a good thing or a bad thing. Seriously, I have no idea at this stage of the season because players want to play more and more uh, in October, November and gain their best fitness. But uh, what, I can, what I can say is that Real Madrid, they don't want to be in trouble this time. They don't want to reach the sixth game of the group stage uh, having to, to qualify. So this game is very important. Uh, I believe that Real Madrid will come probably as a favorite. Karim Benzema is playing fantastic. Uh, he did it with France the other day against Spain as well. What can I say about him? There is a clamor uh, in Madrid to give him the Ballon d'Or. And... Um, yeah, as I said before, uh, this is a must win for Real Madrid, in my opinion, especially ahead of El Clásico, just to gain some extra confidence. Mm, yeah, Barcelona coming up at the weekend. Real Madrid haven't won a match in all competitions since September. They had that nil-nil with Villarreal, then they lost at home to uh, Sheriff 2-1, then they lost at Espanyol 2-1 as well. Crikey, Karim Benzema who has got a busy week. Uh, Jules, I read that he, he goes on trial on Wednesday in Versailles. So what, he has the, the game in the Champions League on Tuesday and then heads off to, to court? I don't think he will go now. He won't turn up? No. All right. But when I he turned there, up for you, though, Jules. Yeah. He did, he did. He did on time as well. We had a lovely, lovely time together. OK, what happened? Did you talk about the sort of stuff you're watching at the moment, like on, on video? Or yeah, like online. family business, you know, or Validé. There are two uh, very popular French series that you can right. find on Netflix and Canal+. Plus. So we talked about that. We talked about President Macron playing a charity match the other day and, and scoring a penalty. Um, so we talked about the Ballon d'Or, of course, that he's hoping right. to win. Becoming the first Frenchman since Zidane 23 years ago to, to win it. So right. a lot of good stuff. And you become the, the first footballer accused of conspiring to blackmail a former teammate over a sex tape to win the Ballon d'Or if he was successful. Yeah, well, yeah. As far yeah, as I know, it. anyway, I haven't checked that stat, but I'm reasonably confident. Yeah, that, I imagine, didn't come up in the interview. No, we didn't. We talked about, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Oh, you did? Okay. And what yeah. did he say? Well, you have to wait and read the interview. Okay. All it's right. Not, they, as soon as it's on ESPN. He didn't say, if I'd done it, here's how I would have blackmailed. Matthew <laughs> Shakhtar, by the way, was 6-1 winners over Zuria Luhansk on Friday. So they come into this game bang You've been watching a lot form. of Eastern European football this weekend, haven't you, well, James? I have. No. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what's coming up on Tuesday. And I'm sure you'll agree, listener, that there's ample opportunity for some major, major surprises. What about Wednesday's games? We'll talk about those next. So, Mr. Klopp, what's been troubling you? Well, it's a very important time of the year, and I'm worried we're not going to be able to get the most out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of big games coming up. Games? No, I'm talking about Oktoberfest. Sauerkraut, Steins, Lederhosen, the one time Germany comes to England, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it can seem like they don't know what they're doing, but with Paddy Power, you always know you're getting Das Beste rewards, like money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pretty much bet builder bets only, min odds 1 to 5, per leg, min 4 plus legs, max free bet £10 per day, excludes enhanced match odds on and exclusive T's and C's apply, 18 plus be gambleaware.org. We're sponsored for this episode of the Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. 
And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Die Bayern unterwegs, ja, zum 5 zu 0. Auch Gnabry mit dem Doppelpack. Die Münchner zerlegen die Leverkusener. Und 3000 Bayern-Fans feierten Ersatz-Oktoberfest. A full stadium, a warm autumnal glow, a chance to take top spot in the Bundesliga. The stage was set for a thrilling tussle between Bayern Leverkusen and Bayern Munich on Sunday afternoon. And for three minutes or so, it truly was. Not my words, Rafa, the words of you in your match report of this massive game in the Bundesliga title race. Top two, level and points coming into it, facing off. Uh, it didn't last long as a contest, though. It didn't. I mean, Bayern didn't all have it their own way in the first half, but they still found themselves 5-0 up at the break, uh, having taken that early lead through Lewandowski. Leverkusen had, had some issues uh, in midfield, where they had all their defensive midfielders out effectively, and the two players that they had were more number 10s, Amiri and Demibai, and they just couldn't cope with Bayern. And Bayern sliced and diced through them. Four goals um, in six minutes. Yes, in a, in a spell uh, between the 30th and the 37th minute, yeah. Um, there were four goals, and that was it. And in the second half, Leverkusen changed things around a little bit, tried to manage the situation, played with five at the back effectively and Bayern sort of stepped off the gas knowing that they'll have this game against Benfica midweek. But it was a Machtdemonstration, as we say in Germany, a demonstration of their power, of their might, because mm. this was first against second before Dortmund had played on Saturday. This was an away game. This was a game that came after Bayern's defeat against Frankfurt before the international break. But any hopes of Bayern being somehow fallible or vulnerable were so quickly dashed and so emphatically destroyed by their performance that it was quite awkward, I think, for the rest of the league to watch. Right. 29 goals now they've scored in eight matches, which equals the Bundesliga record from 1976-77, which was set by Bayern themselves. There's only one point, though, between Bayern and this Borussia Dortmund lot. Uh, the two teams will be meeting in Dortmund in early December. Again, Rafa, is it worth getting our hopes up for a real title duel between the two? I mean, there's always hope, James. They play each other on the 4th of December mm. in Dortmund. If Dortmund can stay in touch, can keep the gap to one point or perhaps even make up that gap in the next few weeks, then why not? But the problem is, even at this weekend when Dortmund won at home to Mainz, the difference in the style of play, the difference in the maturity of those two teams was quite pronounced. I mean, Bayern played only for 45 minutes and some of the Bayern players were even upset saying, oh, we didn't play that well in some stages of the first half. Uh, that was enough to destroy Leverkusen. Dortmund sort of tried their best and controlled the game against Mainz, but they had to fight until the very end and, and very nearly um, started panicking when, when they conceded a late goal and then they had to go until the 94th minute until the game was effectively won. And that was sort of indicative of where those two teams are. So I'd love to see Dortmund find the consistency, first of all, to beat the teams below Bayern and themselves, to even be in the conversation. But if it comes to a straight shootout between the two sides, I think Bayern are still on a on another planet at the moment. Raf, you've seen a lot of Bayern over the years. I know it's only October, but where do you put this team or where do you project this team to be compared with what you've seen from them on the Heinkers, under Pep, are we reaching the kind of same levels in, in terms of performance that we saw in those? Or is it better than that? Or what do you think? 
I think right now on the Nagelsmann, with the first 11 being all fit, and that I think is key because the depth below them isn't quite as good as it was maybe in the Pep years, maybe in the Heinkes years, in the later stages of the Heinkes years. But as long as those first, let's say, 12 or 13 players are available and play the way they have been playing, I think there's an argument to be made that this could actually be a Bayern side that's better than the Flick side, that's better than the Heinkes side, that's better than the Pep side. But of course, and this is a discussion, a debate we've been having about Bayern in the last six or seven years, it comes down to one or two games. I mean, last year they were a pretty good side. They had a couple of off nights, or, or let's say half an off night, and they had Lewandowski unavailable in those two key games against PSG, and then they got knocked out. And no one really talks about this team as being that special because they were only judged of what happens in the Champions League. And I I fear, in a way, and that is the, the, the tragedy, although not many people have much sympathy, that this team will again be judged on what happens in one or two games in, in March or April or May. So, yes, they their football is, is up with the very best that I've seen under Pep, uh, certainly under Flick as well. But, of course, it, it doesn't mean all that much when your real target, your real price only comes around in, what, uh, six months' time? I've got a question for Rafael. I don't know if they know over there, back there in Germany, uh, what's happening with Lucas Hernandez. He may have to go to prison on the 28th of October if he doesn't present an appeal very soon. So, actually, he went to Madrid on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, he appeared in court one day early to put this appeal in. And now we wait to find out before the 28th if this appeal is successful. Otherwise, he will indeed in 10 days' time go and have to choose a prison of his choice. I mean, at least it's a prison of his choice, I guess. So that gives you maybe some comfort. But of course, they're trying everything to to get this punishment turned into a financial punishment rather than incarceration, which would be very unfortunate for everyone concerned especially because the reason for all of this was um, the mutual fallout between him and his then girlfriend which was then resolved as they got married and, and indeed had a child so it, it would feel quite harsh. He was arrested four years ago for violating a court order banning him from contacting his partner but he's now yeah. married with that partner? Yes the problem is that they went on holiday together yeah, they they had a restraining order both right. on each other, but right. Lucas Hernandez's one was uh, standing; it was already up in place, and mm. they went on holiday together. And the fact that they had two previous court sentences before that restraining order made this situation much more difficult. So that's the reason he could go to prison. It's true that they had a restraining order; they went on holiday together. That's breaking the rule, and they had two sentences together uh, before that uh, two sentences. So, yeah, the situation is pretty hard for him because uh, he will have to write a successful appeal, and otherwise, on the 28th of October, he will have to um, to enter prison. For how long, Alvaro? I don't know about that. I don't know about that, but it has to be obviously a decent. <laughs> decent amount of years because normally if you pay uh, maybe you can reduce it and still financially he hasn't been able to get to that point yet so it has to be a little, a little bit longer than a year but of course uh, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't have to be too adventurous with uh, with the number that's extraordinary well uh, in the meantime and painting a little bit into significance I'm sure for Lucas Hernandez uh, Bayern are taking on Benfica this Wednesday, leaders of the Liga Nosh against the leaders of the Bundesliga. The other game in that group sees Barcelona, who are bottom of this particular quartet, having lost both of their first two games 3-0, taking on Dinamo Kiev. Some signs that Barcelona might be back, though, Alvaro. They're improving. They're improving. Um, I think that the team is doing better. The club didn't de- do themselves a favor on Sunday. I will explain why, why later uh, when we talk about La Liga. But um, I think that the the fact that Ansu Fati was going to be important it was no alien to anybody. But the fact that Ansu Fati was going to be good and important so quickly after his injury is something that is surprising everyone. Memphis, Memphis, de cara para Ansu, que le pega, gol! 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 
against Valencia, he scored a beautiful goal after a good partnership with Memphis. He also shoots very well for his age. I mean, he's 18 years old and he scores from outside the box with a precision and accuracy that uh, is pretty impressive. I mean, he put the ball very far away from Thielsen from a long range. So, Ansu Fati plus Gabi, who is a player that is standing out for his pugnacious approach to the games uh, rather than his quality, which is what he should be excelling at because the quality of Gabi is unbelievable but so far he's been a little bit like Berratti you know uh, the kind of guy who also goes on the floor he, he has to go on the floor that gives Barcelona a little bit of promise um, a little bit uh, of um, emotion to hang on to and Cam no needs that because uh, against uh, against uh, Valencia in the weekend uh, full capacity was allowed and only 47,000 spectators went to the ground which is you know Pretty bad. The club needs the spectators back uh, for financial reasons as well. And I know that uh, in the past, many of uh, the people that uh, crowded the, the Camp Nou were foreigners, tourists and all that. You know, at the minute, uh, they don't have such a thing uh, or uh, the, the privilege to, to welcome um, tourists in the city. But uh, still, I think that the, the home crowd should be a little bit more loyal if they can because Barcelona needs them. And I think that the likes of Gabi and Sufati, Pedri, who extended his contract last week, they are players that are... I think that's very attractive to watch. So hopefully Barcelona this time uh, will have a lot of support from the crowd because they will need it. In my opinion, the game that comes right now against Dinamo Kiev is the most important game Barcelona will play so far this season. But by far, even more important than El Clásico. Because if they lose, they are in, in real trouble. I don't think that they will qualify for the next round in the Champions League. And financially, they need that money. They need to be in the Champions League uh, last 16. Wow. The weekend's 3-1 victory over Valencia at the Camp Nou was only their second victory in the last seven matches in all competitions. Fatty, as you say, scoring an absolutely beautiful goal, then winning the penalty uh, from which Memphis uh, got the second. We saw Cunaguero coming on late on, so he's now back available. I, I also saw the stats there about Fatty and his impact in his first 2,000 minutes in the first team compared to Leo Messi's first 2,000 minutes. Leo Messi had 11 goals... Fatty, 15. Havero. Yeah, no, that's unbelievable. I know. Uh, this doesn't mean anything, obviously. Uh, it means that Ansu Fati, from the very early age of 16, because he started playing for Barcelona at the age of 16, uh, he was ready to, to score goals. I mean, he, he's a natural scorer, and I believe that Spain missed him a lot uh, during the Euro, uh, because mm. Ansu Fati could have made the difference in the box. Uh, and, but the most surprising thing is that, you know, a year ago, he picked an injury. It was just a meniscus injury. Barcelona uh, pondered whether, or the player pondered whether um, having surgery or not, you know. At the end, he decided to have surgery. That didn't go well. He needed four different interventions at the end in his knee. And after a year out, after having four knee surgeries, you know, you shouldn't come back so strong. And so you shouldn't come back um, so prolific. So I think that this player is special. He's gifted. And I don't know how far he's going to get. But uh, what I can tell you now is that if Ansu Fati stays like this for the next 12 or 13 years, he's going to be an important player in Barcelona. And he still has like four or five years ahead of him to develop and to make his body stronger and to become the, the super player that he's, I think that he's got inside. Excellent. All they need now is one or two more players and a new set of fuse boxes at the oh. stadium. Yes, yeah, you're right, James. That was last week we learned. Uh, Barcelona, you know, the, pand the pandemic was a curse for Barcelona because it was a club living to the day. And from the very moment that they didn't have the match day revenue, they went pretty much into bankruptcy. We know that. But at the same time, if they had played last season, they would have encountered a number of problems. For example, uh, pigeon dropping, uh, droppings mm -hmm. were ruining some part of the grounds to the point that right. they were making the ground a little bit unsafe. And now we know that Barcelona... Why, they're corroding they, the concrete or something? They or? were eroding the concrete, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I could say many things, but this is a testament to how abandoned uh, has been Barcelona in the last eight years by the previous president, that they didn't right. look after these things. For example, now we know as well that if Barcelona uses the ovens in Camp Nou with uh, there is a bit, little bit of capacity, um, the fuses will will go off. So, you know, they could see these problems here and there. So that you they can't are have like 
There's no hot food, no pies at the uh, camp. They, can, they can fry. They can, they can use uh, normal electricity, but just in case, don't use the oven. That is the, <laughs> that is the order. That is the, sorry, that, that is the mandate by Barcelona right. President Joan Laporta. Just don't use, don't use the ovens, guys, just in case. Okay. Uh, wow. It's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. Still, if somebody buys Pedri, they'll be laughing because it's a, a one billion euro release clause. That would sort out that one or two. That's still not enough issues. for their debt. Is that right? <laughs> That's very track. true. That's very true, James. And if I can just uh, close this chapter very quickly, Barcelona mm. had yesterday what they call the Asamblea de Socios Compromisarios, which is like uh, some representatives from Barcelona's um, season ticket holders and members that they got a say in the club's finances and in the club's budget, all right? Uh, to start with, 4,000 and something were invited and only 700 turned up, which wow. is uh, very bad considering that, you know, Barcelona... Uh, supporters have the privilege to have a say on their club. We have seen this weekend Newcastle, for example, has been taken over and the fans, you know, they are happy but they don't have a say in the club or they don't have a vote to change things in the club. Barcelona season ticket holders do. Well, very few turn up. The thing is that Barcelona started all that assembly at 3 p.m., 3.30 p.m. and they thought that that was going to be finished in four or five hours, but by 8.30, 30 minutes before the game started, there were so many things in the agenda that had been untouched, and key ones, like for example, uh, whether whether uh, Barcelona should ask for a loan of 1.5 billion, uh, whether some key rules in the statutes of the of the club should be, should be changed, that Joan Laporta called it a day and say, look, let's go watch the game, but uh, if we're going to take these very decisive votes, uh, that will affect dramatically the future of the club, for good or for bad, let's make it another day, because many compromisarios have left already, it was late, many of them wanted to vote very quickly in order to watch the game against uh, Valencia, so yeah, it was a little bit of a, of a disaster from the organizational point of view. Wow, that does sound like a mess. <laughs> uh, well, mess came club, I suppose, anyway... Uh, We'll hear a little bit more about La Liga later on. But uh, elsewhere in the Champions League on Wednesday, you've got Man United taking on Atalanta. It's the first ever meeting of these two clubs. Could be a dramatic one. Both of United's matches so far in the Champions League have involved some kind of stoppage time surprise. A young boy's winner and then Ronaldo's goal, of course, last time out against Villarreal. Uh, James, you talked to us a little bit about Atalanta on, on in Monday's Totally Show. But are you backing them to pull off another win like the 2-0 at Anfield? Or do you think that Man United are going to produce their kind of just-when-you-think-Oli's-gone bounce in this one? Well, long-term listeners to this podcast will know that I always back them because right. I back them even when they didn't have a single point after three games in the group mm. stages in their debut season. So, absolutely, they're still around. This is their third season in the Champions League. They've got more experience in that time. You know, we always go on about their great away record. We spoke that last time when they went to Amsterdam, beat Ajax, went to Anfield and beat Liverpool. So there's no reason why they can't go to Old Trafford and beat Manchester United. They're a better organised, better coached team um, than Manchester United, greater than the sum of their parts. But, you know, as we see with Atalanta, it's a, they take risks and sometimes those risks are rewarded in these prestigious wins. And in other cases those risks cost them, you know, because for every win at Anfield, there is a 5-1 uh, defeat um, to, to Liverpool in Bergamo. But playing that style has got them to where they have been in the Champions League, which is as far as the quarterfinals, where they were very unlucky to go out PSG in their first season, got to the round of 16 last year, knocked out by Real Madrid, um, two of the richest clubs in the world. So, look... You know, I, th I think they will win one of these games against Manchester mm. United. As it stands, Atalanta are on four points, top of the group. Young Boys and Man United are both on three. And then you've got Villarreal on one after that late reversal at Old Trafford last time out. Villarreal will travel to Young Boys on Wednesday, fresh from their first Liga defeat of the season, as Alvaro was mentioning earlier on, at home to Osasuna. In Group G... It's currently looking like this. Red Bull Salzburg on four points. Sevilla and Wolfsburg on two. And Lille, who got beaten by Claremont on Saturday on one point. Salzburg take on Wolfsburg and Lille play Seville, pleasingly enough. Uh, how are Sevilla doing, Alvaro? 
Sevilla, they are doing well, James. I think that they are a team that uh, doesn't uh, fascinate uh, anybody at the minute. They beat Celta 1-0. I think that this is important when you describe them or when you analyze them. They are rather experienced. Uh, some players are uh, over 30s, like the likes of Fernando, who is probably the best player right now, or the most... Uh, the most pivotal player in the team because he is managing to hold uh, very well the midfield. The likes of Jesus Navas, Papu Gómez, they are all, you know, almost in the wrong side of the 30s, some of them. But still, they are uh, doing a decent job. Uh, they're probably the best uh, defense in La Liga right now. They have conceded three goals. And after drawing the first two games in the Champions League, they need a win. And I think this is the time for Sevilla to make a difference. Maybe uh, Jules Koundé will be back, who is so important for Sevilla. And maybe El Nesiri, a striker who has been out for a month, can have some playing time. But uh, generally speaking, Sevilla is doing very well from the points point of view. Numerically, they are fantastic right now. Uh, they are going to be fighting for La Liga if they continue like this. But they don't make you fall in love with them. Mm, I see. All right. In Group H, meanwhile, just to finish off the midweek action, you've got Juve on six points, three points ahead of Chelsea, who they beat last time out. Then Zenit level with Chelsea on three points and Malmo on none. It's Malmo who visit Stamford Bridge to face Chelsea this Wednesday while Juve make the trip to St. Petersburg to take on Zenit. Fresh, uh, James, Juventus from their third straight 1-0 victory this Sunday night over Roma. Allegri has been talking about getting this team back to keeping clean sheets, getting this team back to winning 1-0. Uh, instantly, his last five wins against Roma were all by that scoreline. Um, yeah, Juventus look very comfortable when they are defending 4-4-2, 3-5-2. Still not creating a lot of chances. Yeah, still often winning games despite um, their opponents having a higher XG uh, than themselves, but... That was kind of the case when Allegri was around last time. He kind of cheats XG. And yeah, not without controversy this game, as is often the case throughout history um, with this penalty decision slash should the goal that uh, Tammy Abraham scored. So Tammy Abraham goes skipping through that Juve bat line, which had been extraordinarily effective. And the he, he then kind of, I'm not sure if it was blocked or the ball anyway, ends up with Mkhitaryan out on the the right-hand side of, of the box. And he's brought down by Chesney. The ball bounces clear and then Tammy hooks it into the net. But the referee's already blown for a penalty on Chesney for effectively clattering Mkhitaryan. And James, having consulted the rules, you say the referee was right. No, the referee in the tunnel at half-time told ah. Brian Cristante, the Roman midfield player, um, you do not play advantage on a penalty decision. Right. Which every referee who then consulted the rule book said, what are you talking about? That's not the case. Ah. Um, however, uh, as we did point out, the goal would have been disallowed anyway because Henrik Mkhitaryan, in falling over Chesney, actually scoops the ball into Tammy Abraham's path with his right hand. Right. Um, so so yeah, Roma were, were lucky to get the penalty, which they subsequently missed, or rather it was saved by Chesney with a... A very agile bit of uh, goalkeeping. Yeah, Chesney, who's saved three of the last six penalties he's faced. Um, saved one against Gerard Moreno at the Euros as well, uh, mm. for Pol Poland against Spain. And, yeah, integral to defences keeping that clean sheet, as was Bonucci, Chiellini, Danilo. Yeah, Chiesa was a bit quiet uh, in this game. A lot was expected of him, but Roma did... Roma actually defended well in this game, watching it back this morning. Um, I think there were... Positives. I think the game changed when Zaniolo went off injured. Um, yeah, luckily it doesn't look like that. And the injury he sustained is, is is too bad. But they, yeah, I think a draw would have been a fair result uh, in this game. Uh, and I think even Allegri admitted that. Um, so, um, so Juventus go into this game in St. Petersburg with the confidence that they kind of know who they are. Um, yeah, they, they know how to win games. They know how to keep clean sheets. And they've also got players due to come back. Allegri was asked, you know, is this your Juventus now? And he's like, well, no, I've still got Morata. I've still got Dybala. I've still got De Ligt. I've still got Alexandro to come back. Artur, who came on second half. So there's more to come uh, from Juve. Um, so, yeah, no, quite. Uh, it was uh, it was a good game, even if it was just a, it was 
decided by a very yeah, fine margins. Indeed, indeed. So Zenit uh, this midweek and then a whopping weekend on the way for both uh, Juve, who take on Inter at San Siro, and Roma, who will be hosting Napoli. We're on that run of eight straight victories. Remarkable. All right, we'll talk about that and other domestic issues next. I'm David Ornstein, and you can read my in-depth interview with the former Arsenal, Chelsea, and now very much current AC Milan striker Olivier Giroud on The Athletic right now. Giroud tells me about his battle to prove people wrong, literally since birth, nine years in the Premier League and his relationships with Arsene Wenger, Frank Lampard and Thomas Tuchel, the highs and lows of France, yes, that Karim Benzema rivalry and plenty more besides. And if you fancy seeing the interview, and come on, why wouldn't you want to watch a 15-minute video of Olivier Giroud shot in the fashion capital of Italy? You can find it on the Athletic UK YouTube channel. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Free match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match shots. T's and C's apply. It's over 18s only. And please gamble responsibly. A couple of Europa League fixtures taking place before Thursday this week because of fixture clashes. That means that Celtic will be taking on Ferenc Varos on Tuesday afternoon at 3.30. Crikey. Celtic currently bottom of their group, zero points. They conceded eight times in their two matches so far. Last time out, they shipped four against Bayer Leverkusen. Spartak Moscow on Wednesday hosts Leicester at 3.30. So, yeah, of course those matches and any goals that result from them will be featured in the goal show Tuesday, Wednesday night on BT Sport. Mentioned it's a big weekend in City. I will hear about that very shortly. But Alvaro in Spain, it's not just El Clasico, is it? You've also got the surprise leaders Real Sociedad taking on one of the teams clustered three points behind them, Atletico Madrid. Yes, it's going to be a really nice Sunday. I think that El Clasico, obviously, it is such an important game for for Barcelona this time uh, that I, I believe that it gathers pretty much all the importance of Sunday. But uh, as I said before, Real Sociedad, they are playing so well that uh, they are worth watching them and they are worth believing that uh, this season they'll be capable of uh, attracting more and more fans, which is something that in this uh, little bit undermining La Liga season, because many teams are rather defensive, having a team like Real Sociedad is a blessing for the competition. And um, I know, I am fully aware of the deficiencies of Real Sociedad when it comes to playing against the big teams, because this season, for example, they lost 4-2 at Barcelona, and you know, they look very bad against them. That was in the week one of uh, La Liga. But then, uh, so far, they have done good enough in the winnable games and down, now they've got this opportunity of uh, making a statement against Atletico de Madrid. The only problem for Real Sociedad, James, is that they've got so many players in the sidelines that you wonder for how long this policy of Imanol Alguacil of giving uh, a chance to the players from Real Sociedad B team is going to keep on working. One thing, however that uh, is worth highlighting, uh, lest I forgot it, is that Real Sociedad has the B team now in the Spanish second division. 
which is so important. Xavi Alonso is the manager of that team. That wow. means that those players in the second team, they are used to playing competitive football against very good players, and then they are a little bit more ready to play in the top flight with Real Sociedad whenever they are given the chance. All that said, I think that Real Sociedad should recover very quickly, and the likes of David Silva... Um, Oyarzabal, I think he has an injury too, Nacho Monreal, because these players that are going to help Real Sociedad go through a difficult calendar because in the Europa League they are not doing that well due to the injuries. Meantime, in Serie A, James, Napoli on top, currently, what are they, two points clear of Milan, but facing a trip to Roma this weekend while Inter host Juventus. It could be a, a pretty significant weekend in terms of who's in and who's out of the title race. Yeah, I think uh, for Milan, who, if I'm not mistaken, play against is it Bologna? Um, it's an opportunity because they'll they'll be hoping that the others uh, cancel each other out in demolition derbies, if you like, uh, in the Derby d'Italia and the Derby del Sud or Derby del Sole, which is uh, Roma Napoli. So far, Napoli with that perfect run keep finding ways to win games late. I think that's yeah that happened at the weekend with Osimhen coming up. Uh, big against uh, Torino. I think the most informed striker in the league certainly has, has kind of taken the mantle from, from Lukaku as, as perhaps who's going to be the MVP uh, in Serie A this year, which is an award that they inaugurated a couple of years ago. Um, and Spalletti unfazed by having his, his Fiat Panda stolen. Um, mm. Yeah, He was going around to Naples anonymously in his Fiat Panda and yet someone stole it from outside his hotel. So he said, that doesn't change my opinion of this wonderful city. Um, it certainly won't affect his, his judgment when he comes to picking his team against Jose Mourinho's Roma. Uh, we've touched upon how, you know, actually Roma played pretty well uh, against Juventus at the weekend, but the knock on his predecessor, Paolo Fonseca, was that this team concedes too many goals. They're still conceding too many goals, even though he conceded one against Juventus. And they didn't get results in the big games. And so far, Roma haven't got results in big games under Mourinho. They've lost the derby and they've lost uh, against Juventus. And guess who? Then they'll be playing against Napoli at the Olimpico at the weekend. So big, big game already, I'd say, in terms of judging Mourinho in his first couple of months um, at, uh, at Roma. And then, of course, the debit Italian needs no, no billing. All right, then. Jules, meanwhile... The massive game coming up this weekend in France is, of course, Le Classique. Marseille hosting Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain, whose lead in Liga has extended itself now to nine points over Lens. Marseille, though, are ten points behind, have climbed up to third place after their whopping 4-1 win over Lorient. First of all, that game against Lorient. Quite a touching display in tribute to Bernard Tapie before the match. Yeah, it was it was beautiful, all the, uh, the velodrome and as you would expect, but with choreography and TIFOs and all of that, to pay tribute to, um, to Bernard Tapie uh, before the game, during the game, a lot of the songs, the players wearing a T-shirt with, with Tapie's photo on it and, and all of that. It was quite emotional. Bernard Tapie's son, Stefan, was there as well in the, uh, on, the, on the bench uh, or, or by the pitch. Um, so we knew it was, a, it was going to be a, a special night. Even when Lorient scored, there was, they scored first. There was not really a doubt that Marseille would come by. They played so well with so much intensity, so much desire. Matteo Ganduzzi and Dimitri Payet were fantastic. Milik, who is getting back to, to really good fitness as well, and he scored. So that was very, very promising for Sampaoli, who hadn't won in four games. So mm. they really needed that one. And especially before, as you said, the classic next week at the Velodrome, where it's been a long time since they beat PSG. Right. I mean, if they win, they bring it back to seven points. Is it worth us even getting our hopes up? Mm. Oh, with the game in hand, true. Yeah, yeah. So is it worth us getting our hopes up for some kind of title race? Yeah, only if Marseille can keep consistency. That's the only mm. thing, you know, because we, as we said all through the, the start of the season, they play really well at time. Uh, and you see what Sampaoli is trying to do. And when Payet is on great form and when Milik is, is back to full fitness, they're going to be great. The problem is they can play one great game and then the next one... They struggle, so the lack of consistency against a team like PSG, if, even when they don't play well, they win anyway, has, has to be the key for Marseille to try to stay up there in touch with instance at least to, to PSG because otherwise they will keep maybe coming back to 7 and then going back to 10 and 12 and then back and then, so it'd it be difficult. Mm. Huge game then on the weekend. You mentioned before Leon with the 2-0 win 
over Monaco, who'd been on a quite a fine unbeaten run. Uh, Leon, meanwhile, with just one defeat in the last 10. Uh, do you want to talk about that or do you want to talk about Saint-Étienne getting pumped again? Yeah, pumped again uh, by Strasbourg away from home when we thought after the derby uh, before the international break that maybe they were back to something. Mm. But that heavy defeat, I think Claude Puel could be really on his last few days at the club. They're in terrible form. They have a the second from bottom. They, it's, it's, it's pretty grim if you're a Saint-Étienne fan. And on the other hand, Lyon... Didn't look that great until Paqueta came on against Monaco. It was quite a tight, close game, but Paqueta changed everything. I mean, I know at Milan didn't really work out for him, but he's such an exceptional player, technically especially. And again, that no-look pass that we mentioned at the beginning, if you haven't seen it yet, have a look on Lyon's second goal because it's, it's really sensational. My word, what a smorgasbord of uh, Sunday action awaits us uh, this coming weekend. Rafa, you won't see any of that though because you'll be focused on what in the Bundesliga? Well, we don't have games that are quite as glamorous um, coming up, James. But there is the um, derby of Köln against Leverkusen. That's always pretty exciting. And it has extra spice because Leverkusen pinched Florian Wirtz off them. And with every passing year, it feels, um, I think, harder and, and more frustrating for Köln to to believe what's happened to them. Um the other game, I guess that's worth mentioning, is Bayern against Hoffenheim because Sebastian Hoeneß, who used to be a youth coach at Bayern, comes back to Munich. He's also the nephew of Uli Hoeneß, who, of course, is the honorary president at Bayern. So, yeah, should be should be quite interesting. Always fun to watch Bayern in action as well. Uh, very good. Well, I hope you'll be uh, joining us perhaps midweek for some of that goal show action or next Tuesday morning when we return with the Totally Football Show European edition with our votes on all of those games and much, much more. For now, many thanks to everybody. And you, listener, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.